Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here as always and Danny Raza has the night off. So of course we brought in some new blood for this episode and that being Stevie Green. Stevie, how you doing? Uh, no, I've, I've been better after games certainly, but uh, on the whole I'm not too bad. How are you? Uh, you know what, like you said there and we had a brief little chat before, it, it's one of those games where I think you react to it and you'll sit there and you'll feel really hard done by. You might feel a little angry, pissed off, whatever. And then you kind of give it some time and, you know, you kind of realize how fortunate that Villa are in the circumstances they're currently in. We're still in 10th. We still have 29 points. We almost have the most same amount of points we did last season at the end of last season. There's not really too much you can kind of be angry about in the whole circumstance of it. But I mean, of course, on a game by game basis, the the ebbs and flows of those emotions can kind of carry. But let's let's just dive right into it, Stevie, because it, it, it's one of those games where, to be honest, we just kind of got smacked in the face really quickly, and then unfortunately shot ourselves in the foot three times in a row. But let's let's get right on to the first goal. I mean, the first half kind of in its entirety. I mean, we kind of talk, talked about it before the recording. Both sides, uh, you, you'd have to give kind of the advantage to Villa, of course, but there wasn't no magnificent play there. You wouldn't have to say that we absolutely destroyed them. I think, like I said before recording, we just kind of almost castrated them into long balls and those are easy to cut out. But the first goal, of course, coming... Shortly through Ollie Watkins, of course, and a beautifully low cross from Matty Target. So how, what were your thoughts really on the first goal? Were you kind of feeling positive after that? So just kind of let me know your emotions. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he's, Ollie Watkins is so good at getting into those positions, isn't he? But most of the time this season, he's um, he's not had the luck to go with it. Um, I mean, a lot of people have said that we, we absolutely dominated in that first half. But I don't think that's the case. I think that first 10 minutes, we looked a little bit rocky and and Burnley were closing us down quite quickly and forcing us into, you know, doing things we didn't want to do. But as the half went on, we grew into it. Um, and really, we probably should have finished it there. Um, we had a couple of decent chances that, that um, didn't quite go in our favour. But um, I, th- I think the moral of tonight is defend basic balls into the box and finish your chances when you get him because when you don't we, we end up on like you said on the wrong side of a slap face yeah and it's an interesting one too because of course we can kind of all look at it well basically a few opportunities obviously the one where ollie Watkins is one-on-one with nick pope and to be fair ollie Watkins, that's a big frame to get around oh, of yeah. course it's saved and then of course ross barkley with a follow which to be fair it's very hard to hit that cleanly in the net especially when you have two burnley defenders still behind the ball still behind Nick Pope in that defensive position so it's unlucky there but it's it's another game and I mean maybe it it could honestly be a fact and I want to get your thoughts on this in a moment Stevie is 
maybe this year Burnley's just that bogey team for us. Of course, I, I, I saw a stat. I think we had over 40 shot attempts against them in two games. We only come yeah. out with one point. Do, do you think it's just one of those times where, you, well, I guess every season everyone has at least that one team where you look at it and go, you know what? It just, it wasn't going our way against them. Uh, but I mean, possibly because last season that was Bournemouth and, you know, look where they are now. Um, I think we we propped up their entire season with the two games that we played against them and, and just handed them six points. Um, I think mostly, we, I think we looked a bit leggy tonight. Um, the, I think, the, you know, the post-COVID uh, feeling within the squad, I mean, we still don't know who exactly, how. we know a couple of players who had it, but we don't know everyone who had it. Um, and that sort of long period that we had where we didn't play, and now all of a sudden we're playing... You know, we're back into the thick of it, playing games every three days. I think it's it's taken its toll a bit sooner than we thought it would, um, because a lot of the the decision making tonight wasn't where it should be. Um, I thought in the second half as well, we had a couple of chances where you know players. I'm thinking Jack Grealish and Bertrand Traore particularly, um, who were got into positions and maybe should have done something else. Uh, with, with the ball when they had it rather than just took a shot because the shots weren't good enough and other players are in better positions to receive the ball. Um, so I think fatigue has probably not helped there. But um, yeah, you get these games every now and again against these teams. And, you know, credit to Burnley because they're really good at what they do. But what they do is just so ugly and fluky that you can't help but feel really hard done by when you you know, you do get beat by them. Yeah, and I, I, I think, like, when I said before, we're just kind of a victim of our own circumstances and our, kind of our own demise in an instance. It's it's when you kind of get into that mindset of where you fall into their play style and essentially how they're going to just loft balls in. And it, it mentally, I can understand it because when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're actually on the pitch doing it, it's easy for us fans to sit there and go, okay, you yeah, could have course. done it differently. But I, I think the thing that when we kind of sit there and look at it is we just kind of fell into their style of play, which is a lot of crosses into the ball or, or into the box, I should say. It's a lot of physicality and we just didn't deal with it. And there are so many instances where we're playing with it around our box. We should just be getting it out quick one twos or just hoof it out. And unfortunately, we're just easily giving it back to them. And I, I think that's where the frustration and a lot of people like we talked about it, like I said, probably for the third time before we actually started recording. It's one of those circumstances where you'll sit and look at the overreaction, especially on Twitter. And we always see that. That's what Twitter is literally for, for any topic, I swear to God. But you see people saying real is going to be on the uh, the on the way out now. We're, we're not going to finish in the top 10, uh, all this and all that. The world's over. And it's just like yeah, you, ha- you really have to put it into perspective because throughout this whole game, we had instances where we could have killed it off and we just didn't. And of course, that's kind of what you're going to get with Dean Smith. We're getting more of an attacking brand of football, which is fantastic, but it's always going to have its drawbacks, too. And unfortunately, against more physical teams like your Burnleys, it, it, we're just, like I said before, a victim of our own really demise. So I guess with all that said, Stevie, where where do we essentially go from here in your mind? Because I, I think, like you said before, it's game after game right now. It's like two, three day uh, breaks between games. We'll get into the kind of Southampton preview in a little bit, but 
what are you really thinking after this? Because I know fatigue can always come in. Some people are even going to Ross Barkley and actually, you know what, let's, I just kind of actually messed myself up here. Let's talk about Ross Barkley first, because it just came to my mind and I saw a lot of comments of people saying he's still not fit enough. I don't know why we're trying to force him for 70 plus minutes, maybe give him 50 or so and just kind of ease him in. So what are your thoughts on that in that regard? Um, I, th- I think he is fit enough. I mean, we, we talk about Ross Barkley like he is this sort of secret element to the team, but in reality, he's only actually had two decent games in a Villa shirt. Yeah. Um, so he's still finding his way into this team, and I, I don't want to put any blame on him today. He wasn't. At, he certainly wasn't at his best. But I say neither was John McGinn, neither was Douglas Louise, uh, neither was Matty Cash. So you know, we can't just pin it on one player for why we didn't win this game. Uh, the the depth, strength and depth from the bench is still concerning me quite a bit. Um, I know we've got Morgan Sanson to come, uh, um, but you know, to me, he's still a bit of an unknown quantity because he's got to adapt to English football. But not only that, he's got to adapt to English football in this really weird circumstance that we're in. Um, and you know, we've got a couple of days before Southampton, so he's only going to have a couple of training sessions to get to know his new teammates. And I'm just worried that with the way that some of our fans can be on social, as you've touched on, um, we're going to expect too much of him too soon. And, you know, there's people on Keenan Davis's back. And, okay, Keenan Davis probably isn't the kind of player who's going to take us on to the next level, but you can't get on his back for what he did tonight because that's all, you know, he's all we've got if we need need to push on and get another goal. So I, I sort of think that going into this season with, just Ollie Watkins up front is as bad as going into last season with just Wesley. Yeah. Like, do you think we're putting a lot of kind of hope and almost kind of a hope and a prayer kind of aspect to it in the sense of hopefully Wesley comes back fit and firing because I can understand the mindset in terms of maybe you don't want to get another striker for, I don't know, a high price value and I can understand that you spend a lot on Ollie Watkins and then to go around and spend maybe half or if not more again on another one and then you still have Wesley coming back do you think there's I wouldn't say a bit of fear with the club in terms of I wouldn't say overbuying but just kind of crowding the strike force I mean we all know what we get with Keenan Davis now he doesn't play enough when he does it's for 10 minute if that cameos and I think today exemplified it his first yeah. touch was horrific and I don't and like I feel super bad for the guy because you're expecting this guy to come on and give you that attacking prowess but he only comes on for like five minute cameos maybe every third game it feels like so yeah how can you really expect much from a player that doesn't play and then of course you can't loan him out because we don't have enough depth and we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot there and there's not really enough youth arguably ready to make that jump up. So where do you feel like that kind of leaves us? Do we need to maybe invest in January? We saw really what that happened last season. I mean, <laughs> Borja Baston was probably one of the worst signings in Villa's history, yeah. <laughs> but where do you think that kind of leaves us for not even the rest of the month, but for the rest of the season? Well, you know, we're in a, a vastly different position to what we were last season. Um, I get why we couldn't go out and just throw cash around last year because we weren't guaranteed safety. And if we did go down, you know, we're looking at losses there. So fair enough. Um, but this season, we, you know, we're not in any danger of getting relegated. So why not go for it? We, you know, I, don't, I don't think any of us expected us to be in the top half by 
the new year. So while we've got this position and we've got that guaranteed income next season, you know, we know what we need. And all right, Ollie Watkins, for me, fine. He's the starting striker. I think whoever comes in, if anyone does come in, has got to fight really hard to get get minutes uh, off, off Watkins. But we're, we've got this opportunity now to really push on beyond what was expected and really sort of escalate that growth curve that we're already on. So why not take it? Why not, you know, get the checkbook out this year? Because we know we can afford it. And I'm not advocating careless spending. I think, you know, the, the setup we've got now, I think we, you know, we definitely have targets and players in mind, but we've, we've got until Monday to get any, any prospective deal done. And we know that if any striker does come in, then Keenan Davis is going to go out on loan to a championship club. And I'm sure there are a lot of championship clubs that would quite happily take him. Uh, that we could get him a couple of minutes, uh, a couple more minutes than he's getting at the moment. And mostly for his own development, let alone what he can bring to us next season. Um, I think it's vital for him because he's 22 now. You know, he's not a, he's not a kid. He's, uh, he's, he's coming up to a very sort of crucial stage of his career. And I'm sure he doesn't want to be sat on the bench. But, you know, everything I'm saying here is easier said than done. And <laughs> unfortunately, I know that. Um, and it's probably just wishful thinking on my behalf. But I can't shake that thought of, well, we should really push on and just spend that money if it's there and really get someone in who can come because you know we don't have any game changers really we've got Trezeguet back and El Ghazi but like like Traore like Barkley and this season like McGinn they those two are so hot and cold as well so there's no guarantee that oh you know El Ghazi's coming on he, he can make something happen it's like well he could make something happen but will he you know it's too hard to tell so I think we need we definitely need more because we're seeing these substitutions come later and later in games. And they're coming at times now where they're just not effective. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because that's what I actually wanted to discuss next. And that is the substitutions. And um, I guess people of this uh, parish, or I guess if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> um, listeners will know that Danny bangs on about late substitutions all the time. And it, it's been a habit of Dean Smith since he's really been at the club. And, I guess you could arguably say one of his weaknesses, but at the same time, especially in the Premier League, we just don't have the depth there to go look at him. He's a true game changer. Like when I see Trezeguet come on, I see Trezeguet's going to make more impact if he's starting from minute one. I don't see him making a great amount of impact for the last 10 minutes. I feel like he's one of those players that needs about 20 plus minutes to really do anything to really warm up and to get his head into it. And he can be quick and pacey on the ball, but he's also very sloppy on the ball. And I think he needs a few opportunities, which you don't get a lot, especially in the last 10 minutes. You might get one and you really have to take it if you want to make it count. So you look at that, you look at Algazi too. Like, of course, he had a, a fantastic few games, some insane stats. And then, of course, he just gets pushed out due to depth. And you look at him too, maybe where's his mind at coming off this hot streak and then, now you're kind of blowing cold coming off the bench, hoping for something to happen. And we just couldn't create that opportunity to get him involved. So with all that being in mind, Stevie, what do you really make of these late substitutions? Cause like, of course, like I said, it's an issue with depth and all that kind of stuff, but you're also not really helping yourself. If you're Dean Smith, if you're making it in the 83rd or 85th minute, are you? No, and I'd, I'd worry that 
what we're saying is sort of evident throughout the squad and that the players themselves get the sense that they're not completely trusted in that way. And I think with players like El Ghazi, um, who I really like, I, I'm really glad he's at the club, but you can tell that he is a confidence player and needs that trust in him because he went on that little run of good form after Jack Grealish gave him that penalty against Wolves. And then all of a sudden, you know, probably because he felt he had that trust, he he's doing what he does best and what we hoped that he would do when we first signed him. Um, so I, th- I think there's definite issues there. And I think a lot of it is down to the depth because, you know, you can't throw Jacob Ramsey on in a game like this because I think it's, it's a step too far for him, um, especially with him still being so slight coming up against a, a physical team like Burnley. Um, and then, you know, who else we got? Bjorn Engels, you're not going to bring him on. You're not going to bring on El Mahamadi. So the, the options there are very, very limited. And with, it's almost like a necessary evil in a way, the, the subs that we are making. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because, like I said before, it's, it's going to be a feeling out process. And I, I think there's still that factor. If you look at like the Henry Lansbury's who aren't even registered for the squad to play, you look at angles that it just looks like it's not going to work out. We're still trying to get rid of some of the, I hate calling players deadwood, but I guess I will in this instance, you're start still trying to get rid of some championship deadwood, arguably. And then mm. you just have some players, that unfortunately didn't work out when we bought them last season. So you're just in uh, throw on top of that, really COVID and the market yeah. it, it's Clubs are going for loans right now. They're not really looking to buy. It looks like we're really one of the only clubs that seems like maybe unless you're a, a typical top six side or something like that, that's willing to go and spend a few pounds. But right now it just looks like everyone's looking for the smart loan buy that'll help them for now because they don't want to commit long-term because who knows when all this craziness is finally going to be put behind us. But to kind of get back to the game, I'll just kind of go through all of the goals and then we'll kind of move on from there because we're talking kind of around the game about our thoughts on it and it's all well and good, but I just want to make sure everyone knows what went on. So of course it was one nil. It goes to be one, one of course through, I don't know if you call it shoddy defending, but of course, Ben yeah, capitalized. Shoddy, yeah. On, yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> of course, through um, a Ben me header from a corner. I just had a weird feeling when that uh, set piece corner was set up. I'm thinking, okay, something might happen here. Of course it does. We come back in the 68th minute through Jack Grealish, Douglas Louise laying a, a nice low little pass back into the middle and he slots that home. And from there you're thinking, okay, you know what? We can probably ride this out. And you know what? I, I The thing that annoys me most about this goal is that it's so typical Villa nine, like tw- or 1920 season, I should say. Dwight McNeil just puts a hopeful cross in a low cross and somehow it just confuses and evades everybody i don't blame emmy martinez for that because you're probably thinking the defenders should clear that they don't clear because they think emmy's gonna grab it so it's just the miscommunication it happens emmy martinez has arguably been the best goalkeeper we've had for 10 plus years i can't really hear otherwise so you look at that of course you're you feel hard done by and then the third goal through Chris Wood. I mean, he does place it very well. He finishes it off very well from a Dwight McNeil cross. And you're sitting there thinking, how has this just happened? This is an absolute whirlwind. And somehow, I think that's the most 
goals Burnley have scored in over a year, if I'm correct, in the single game. So, or I should say in a league game, at least. Um, it, it's a tough one to take, Stevie. But at, at the same time, like we've kind of said before throughout this whole podcast, and maybe this is a theme, we kind of have to be also grateful for what we have, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but like you're saying, the, the, those were three preventable goals. Um and I feel like, you know, we, we, we probably should have come away with at least a point. Um, but it's, it's these silly mistakes that you sort of wish that we'd be over because if it's not VAR or poor officiating screwing us out of points, it's our own silly mistakes. Mm-hmm. And we never just seem to get beat by a team because they're better than us. Um, it, it's, it's these silly little things that we just can't seem to get rid of um at times when we need to get rid of them and i don't know i I mean i'm glad you remembered the goal scorers names because Burnley players all look like chris brunt to me so (laughs) well to tell you kind of a secret left the listeners and yourself in behind um the recording magic i actually have the bbc report with the minutes so i just kind of scroll through them (laughs) as i'm talking and if i can't find it quick enough i panic so if you ever wonder why listeners i'm filling words in randomly when they probably shouldn't be there that is why but anyways uh i want to talk about tyrone mings but we'll get there in a second because of course always a tradition here on the holt cast as we get some twitter comments on of course you can tweet us at 7500 to holt to get your thoughts read out Uh, i think there's over 25 of you that got involved which of course it's either we win marvelously against liverpool or we somehow lose today questionably against burnley and that's where we get the most results it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a typical thing to beat newcastle 2-0 and get a lot of results it has to be something drastic of course only to be a Villa fan. But nonetheless, let's get to some of these. I'll read out about three of them. Uh, We'll go to uh, Dan Hayes, who says... um Wow, I don't even know if that's a word, but anyways, I'll skip that first sentence because that didn't make any sense. But uh, he puts, should have put it to bed first half. Barkley was obviously tiring and should have been replaced earlier. Some rotation would be good. Some players looking leggy. Uh, next, we'll go to uh, S. Robertson saying, sums up football beautifully, doesn't it? Why we love it and why we hate it. Hopefully, lesson learned. Best fill aside in the last 10 years. Don't agree with jumping on the back of after one bad second half performance this season it should be hungry for saturday up the villa and we'll finish it off with wow there's way more than i actually thought that's incredibly insane thank you guys uh let's go with uh, a donovan lazy or tired defending either is troublesome just need to keep building depth hashtag avfc so thank you of course to all of you guys who have gotten involved of course you can tweet us at 7,500 to Holt to get involved in the future. And actually, speaking of which, there's that stat about outshooting Burnley from Chris Winkler. So special shout out to Chris. Outshot Burnley 45 to 16 this season and picked up one point. So <laughs> I think that summarizes a lot of missed opportunities in not taking them. But Stevie, let's get on to Tyrone Mings and then we'll get on to our uh, match balls, um, our man of the matches, whatever you want to call them these days. But Tyrone Mings splits opinion for a lot of people. Some absolutely love him. Some are kind of in the middle and some just honestly think we need to improve on him. If we're going to have any hopes of getting into Europe, how do you feel about the guy? Because I know how Danny feels. Um, Listeners will know that, but how do you feel about him? I really like him. Um, I think he's, he's crucial to us. Um, But yeah, every, every game he seems to have 
one mistake in it and it could be minor it could be major um most of the time it ends up not costing us but when it does people will pick up on it and you know for the i guess for the money that we have paid for him um maybe the standards are slightly higher um but i think we're worse we're a way worse team without him for sure yeah like I've said this before. I kind of feel like he's a high risk, high reward defender. You know what you're going to get with him. Sometimes he's going to make those big errors. And the Man City one, everyone just thinks, oh, clear it. Well, we got screwed over because of a magical rule that no one knew existed somehow came out to play. And now it's been fixed, of course, only to happen to Villa. Um, you have in- other instances where, of course, he should have done better, but who couldn't do better? We even say that about, about Jack Grealish sometimes. It- it- it's one of those things where, of course, some people look at the price tag, in my opinion, and they'll go right after that and they expect the world. Well, we know what we're getting from them. Arguably, we'd be way worse off, like you said, without them. And I think now it comes to a fact where we bought someone like Ezri Kanza hoping he would really grow into something. And my opinion to this day that Ezri Kanza right now has become better than Tyrone Mings. But that is also speaking to the backroom staff, the scouting staff, the team that brought him in and decided to put the risk in him. At the same time, without Tyrone Mings, I don't think we have the leadership at the back. I think Emmy Martinez does kind of hide some of the weaknesses that were exposed last season massively, and that's with yeah. any team having a good goalkeeper. <clears throat> the thing I look at with Tyrone Mings is, is if you lose him, who steps in to be that leader? You always can hear him, especially now with no fans, always barking at other players to get in position. He leads yeah. that back line. He communicates with Emmy Martinez so eloquently, and I really love to see that. So, albeit he does screw up sometimes, who doesn't? Messi screws up sometimes, and he's arguably the best player in the world of all time, I guess you could say, too. They're only human at the end of the day, but... Anyway, Stevie, we'll we'll wrap that part up and we'll get on to our match ball. So if you were to pick one out of this, I guess, shocking loss to Burnley, who would you pick as your man of the match slash match ball? Um, bloody hell. Uh, I'm going to go Matty Target. Um, he was the only one who I thought matched his uh, sort of typical levels of performance tonight. Um, he's, he's really stepped it up this season. And he's he's impressing me a lot, and he's becoming a player that I think we hoped that he would. Um, so yeah, he's going to get the vote for me. That's fair. Um, I'm going to double that because I, I always like going with Emmy Martinez, not only because he makes quality saves and he's literally I don't know how many points he's already saved us. He made a big save, I think, initially yeah. on Chris Wood as well. Um, he made a few other instances. I just love how he claims the ball and he comes out for it. I just don't think you get that with Tom Heaton enough. So, no. with that in mind, I mean, I've got um, don't a go friend, on. Sorry to interrupt you, but I've I've got a friend who I used to work with who is a Burnley fan, and I remember him telling me when we signed Tom Heaton last summer um, or the summer before that you know he's a great shot stopper, but what he'll do is he'll often parry the ball back into danger. And when he started playing for us, I noticed that he did it all the time, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, is Tom Heaton actually as good as we think he is, or is he just? Uh, a bit more reliable in areas where we were weaker uh, and needed someone to be stronger. But yeah, I mean, Emmy Martinez is a massive step up from Tom Heaton, in my opinion. Well, yeah, he brings the delivery. He brings obviously the presence. And I, I think all those loan spells and being at Arsenal for as long as he did, I think that really benefited him. Cause I think even a few years ago, 
a lot of people kind of wrote him off and now they're kind of crying, wish they got rid uh, Arsenal fans, I should say, wishing they got rid of Burnt Leno instead. But regardless from their perspective, he's one hell of a goalkeeper. And albeit I do love the things that Heaton did before his injury for the most part, but I think he's more for a side that have a more rock salt defense, arguably that play more of a c- compact system like Burnley. You're going to have more shots, but they're kind of more, I guess you could say astute with clearing the ball and making the getting to those rebounds, which I still think we sometimes can lack in some instances, but yeah. regardless. Um, yeah. I, like I said before, I'll have to go with Matty target, his delivery, just his step up this season. And even, you know what, probably since November, his rise this season has been something I just couldn't expect. Some people still write him off, think we need to improve, but I think he's kind of finally justifying that price tag. A lot of people were kind of gawking over originally, but anyway, anyways, let's move on to um, talk about Southampton because of course we'll play them on the weekend at St. Mary's. And of course, I think we're tied on points. Yes, we are. Of course we have the better goal difference, but, of course, we're both sitting on 29 points, 10th versus 11th. They're coming off a 3-1 loss to Arsenal, of course, on Tuesday. You'll hear this on the Thursday, so that's what I'm getting confused with my dates on most people, but forgive me there. But yeah, it, we all know what happened the last time. Again, another almost kind of like another Burnley game. We just shot ourselves in the foot with poor defending, just not kind of being a cohesive unit. And evidently, when we decided to be creative, it was kind of, them taking their foot off the gas and us putting it on. And it was just a matter of too little too late. So Stevie, how are you feeling about heading into this one? Because initially right after the Burnley game, I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? I have to be a little concerned, but we've also seen this side kind of bounce back from criticism this season. And that's definitely something that we didn't see last season. Yeah. I mean, um, there are, there are two clubs in this division that I categorically cannot be asked with. One is Newcastle. The other is Southampton. Um, they're just such a weird club to me. Like, are they good? Are they average? It's it's really hard to tell. And I guess they're having a bit of an average season, but they seem to be one of those teams that all the stats nerds love um, and all the Bundesliga fans love <laughs> because of the, because of the manager. Um, I just I just don't get them, and I don't particularly like them either. Um, yeah, I, I really hope that we learned from that last game with them um, earlier in the season because that was. That was borderline embarrassing until we started bringing it back. Um, but, you know, I say that we, we saw that exact same marking that we saw against Southampton against Burnley. Uh, you know, smallest player on the pitch is on Ben Mee, who had a good sort of six, six to seven inches on him. Um, but, you know, Southampton are one of those teams that do have the players that can hurt us. Like Shane Long's there. So he, you know, you can almost get guarantee that he's going to get a goal because he always seems to love scoring against the Villa. Um, Danny Ings, who is in great form and honestly belongs at a better club. Um, and then they've got a few decent players in the middle who, I, you know, for the life of me, I can't figure out why they're at Southampton. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's one of those games that could go either way. And I think that um, I'm more hopeful because we have better away form this season. Well, you know, tonight excluded, but um <laughs> It's, it's, it's a game that I'm a bit tense about, if I'm honest. Yeah, like instantly, I think when we looked at all these games being congested together, this is one where you're thinking this is going to be a truly hard one. Uh, 
it's tough for me because I look at this one similar to the Leeds game and how I think it'll go. I think it's going to be very back and forth. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for both sides. Is it going to be like the previous result where maybe we're the ones that are up big and we let it off and we just skim it? Or is it going to be a tight nitty affair with a lot of missed opportunities and it's going to be a low scoring game? It's probably one of the most unpredictable ones of the season, to be honest. And you also kind of have to keep in mind too, because what right after them, I think we travel or at least we play West Ham, I think three or four days later. So yeah, on the next Wednesday after that. So do you think we have to do any kind of player management thing here? Cause you look at that, what we have Southampton on the 30th, West Ham on the third Arsenal on the sixth. And finally we get back to a relatively normal schedule. So kind of getting into the second half of this turgid, crazy little compact part of the season. Do you think we have to start managing the minutes a little bit better? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like you were saying earlier, it's depending on his level of fitness, it could, one of this game could be a game for Trezeguet to come into. Um, I thought, I felt that Nick Amber was hard done by being dropped. To Massively. He, yeah. he was very effective against Newcastle and, Okay, he's not a glamorous player and he's, he's probably not a player that's going to push us on, but I think he can definitely do a job. And especially when we've got players who, who you know, are coming back to fitness and some that are slightly more injury prone. He's not the worst option to have. Um, and then, of course, we've got Sanson coming, so it'll be interesting to see if, if he gets thrown straight in or if he, if he comes off from the bench. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's definitely a time to start utilising the other options and and hopefully when they start games uh it, it gives us a better platform to change a game later on yeah massively i mean i still feel bad for nakamba i think like going back to burnley here quickly this would have been the perfect game for him he can oh, play yeah. a little bit more physical i think especially when you're kind of going holding on to a 2-1 you think you know what put him next to louise take off one of beginner barkley probably Barkley, you would say, and leave yeah. him again, just kind of roam maybe a little bit more uh, um, in front of them. But I think it's one of those instances where you, when you look at Southampton, they can do a lot going forward, but a lot of it's going to go through Danny Ings. So mm. at, at the same time as focusing on him, you're either going to have to focus on Shane Long or Che Adams and either of those two given their allegiances to West Brom previously and to uh, Birmingham city respectively, or I really shouldn't say respectively to Birmingham city, but anyways, <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Cause I actually was but a giggle in my own mind, but anyways, <laughs> it's, it, it's one of those things where they're going to use almost one of those two as a decoy. And we, we really fell into that the last time we played Southampton. And I think that's my biggest fear heading into this, how we learn from those mistakes. And we've seen that kind of be a theme this season that we're answering critics and writing wrongs that we couldn't do last season. And that speaks to the quality of the players in terms of development and who we brought in, of course, and all that together has worked very well. I, I think the one thing, obviously we can't really have answered yet. And maybe I guess today would be one of them against Burnley is, can we write a wrong from a previous result? Of course, today didn't work out. Can we take that Southampton result and flip it on its head and go, you know what, you did the, this to us previously in the season. Can we do it to you even better? So I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of reaction we get from Dean Smith's men here, but 
regardless, I, I think it's one of those games where is it halfway through the season where the yellow card thing becomes null and void and then it resets yeah, or uh, yeah, 19 games. Yeah. So it's, it'll be after I think the next game that Jack Grealish is in the clear. So I I'm kind of interested to see what happens with him. I've kind of got this feeling over the last couple of games, he's maybe, I wouldn't say taken it easily, but especially on the defensive perspective, I feel like typically you'd see him go in for a few more challenges and I can mm. understand him being a little bit more kind of cautious to the wind with that. But I, I think now does some of that kind of get let off? I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see, but regardless, could I get your, uh, your score prediction, please, Stevie? Oh, I don't do these. <laughs> I, don't, I don't make predictions because it tempts fate. <laughs> fair enough fair enough okay uh, i'll let you off with that one um I'll, I'll just go with a positive one at least i'm gonna go with uh 2-1 to the villa i went a 2-0 against burnley but apparently what do i know um yeah apparently keeping a clean sheet against a team that you thought you should have doesn't happen but i'll go 2-1 um I, I think we can bounce back and given how we played this season especially away i have every confidence in us doing that but Anyways, guys, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Of course, we've been going on for more than long enough. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Stevie, if anyone wants to find you on Twitter, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Stevie Green 11, but that's 11 in the Roman numerals. Perfect. So XI. Well, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, of course, go check him out. If you want to check me out on Twitter, it's at Talk Aston Villa. You can tweet us directly. Of course, the whole or the 7500 to Holt team, almost always say the Holt cast for some weird reason, at 7500 to Holt. You can email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. Of course, we'll wrap it up there. Hopefully a positive result against Southampton on the weekend. And don't forget, up the Villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.